Welcome to the Joyride Podcast. John is my name. And I think my name is Ian. And you are funky. I believe I am funky, yes. <laughs> when it comes to um, yes. I am a well, Yes. Welcome, listener. We've been away for a couple of weeks. Um, it's been a busy time, um, but we're back. Um, the world is slightly better, I would say, in some respects than when we left it. Is it? Well, we can do more things, can't we? Oh, that in that way. Well, but, but as, as someone who doesn't do anything, I haven't noticed any difference. No, I mean, I've yet to venture inside inside a cafe, mm. for example. But I believe that's possible. Um, and the cinemas are open. Not that's been good. yet, but they're open, which that's is a good thing because that's about the only thing you and I actually like to do that involves going out of the house. So that is exciting. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, like I mean, like Eurovision was done in a kind of slightly so- social distance way last night. Not that I saw it. Did you watch it? I, my wife wanted to watch the sort of second half of it, so I did watch a bit of it. I mean, it was very funny because you probably, I mean, I'm no doubt it's been all over the news in England this morning, but the UK got no points at all because <laughs> the first, half, the first half of the results was obviously the countries, the professional judges giving their results, and the yes. UK, England, got no points. And then when it came to the public vote, they also got no points. So they were the only country in the whole of the Eurovision that got nothing at all. I actually felt a bit sorry because the guy that did it, I'd never heard of him. James Newman. I'm yes. I've never heard of him. But his song was all right. It wasn't, I mean, there were much worse songs that got points. There were much more songs that finished quite near the top. Um, so I felt a bit, I mean, obviously, it, basically what they were saying is Brexit, no point. They weren't really saying... James Newman's song Zero Points they were saying country that voted for Brexit and hates Europe I mean what I hated was when they went to the UK judges um, it was Amanda Holden that was representing the UK to give her marks and she came on and she went hello Europe and then she went bonsoir and she said something in Dutch she's like that's me speaking French and Dutch but (laughs) I don't know the difference you know and it was almost like look at me I don't even know French I like we don't we're English we don't and it just you think there is right there in a very sort of crap way there's a bit of Brexit personified in Amanda Holden's stupid sort of racist like I don't know French from Dutch who cares and you know the irony is that every other country that was delivering the results was doing it in English and then the country that the UK do theirs they say hello in French and Dutch and they're like yeah but we don't know other languages (laughs) you just have to keep speaking ours they should have, because of Brexit, they should just have refused to speak English and said, no, we're speaking French. <laughs> just watch Graham Norton struggle with that. Um, but it's, yeah. I mean, we've not, I don't think we've done very well, have we, since since the Iraq war? That kind of put the kibosh yeah. on things. I mean, it's very political. Like, you know, like when, when Cyprus comes on, you're already going, they're going to give Greece 12 points. And of course they give Greece 12 points. You can just predict... Who's gonna give? Who do you think? Who do you think the UK gave twelve points to though? Australia are they in it? They vote, but they're not. They weren't taking part because I think because of COVID. Oh right. Um, think Israel. <laughs> well, do you know what Israel's song was called? No, I don't want to know. Set us free. Set us free. Oh, 
which I thought was a <laughs> slightly tasteless name for a song. Yeah. So, Stuff not tone deaf. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, the UK gave 12 points to a country that I believe that they probably tried to smooth things over a wee bit after, like, the Navy involvement two weeks ago. Well, do you give 12 points to France? Because yeah, I, I, at first I was like, why are we giving France 12 points? I thought the English hated French. And then my wife Julie said, think of, like, the last couple of weeks. This is them trying to, like, smooth trade over slightly by giving France 12 points. And the Eurovision, and France didn't win anyway, it didn't matter. It was Italy won yeah. this horrible, it was quite, it was a heavy metal song that won. Oh, wow. And they were quite, like, every time they cut to them, they were trying to look dead rock and roll. Like, every time they cut to the Italian band afterwards, they were, like, down in beer and down in wine. But then, see, at the end, when it came close to the winning, they were all crying, and you could see, like, you actually do care about this. You're trying to look like the Manic Street Preachers, like, you're rebels and you don't care, but you clearly do. They were really excited. No, I mean, I, I don't normally watch the Eurovision Song Contest because, like, I don't like music that's not familiar music to me. So hearing 39 songs that I've never heard before by artists I've never heard of, it's not really... I only came in at the end. I only heard, like, the last three or four songs, but they were filling for time, so they kept replaying some of the songs, and there was some absolute... The Italian one was all right, but it was like, it was like a heavy metal song, but it wasn't, it wasn't my thing. What, what, what I love most of all about that whole story you've just told is that your interpretation of what really means rebellion is the Manic Street Preachers. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember that time Nicky Wire like, skipped on a skipping rope at the Brit Awards. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean to be fair, the Manics used to be proper, re- genuine rebels. Well, you go back to when they, when they first started and when Richie was still about... Yeah. Um, they were quite a sort of rebellious band, but after about three albums, that basically once Richie vanished, they just yes. became like a big arena successful rock band. I mean, some wonderful music. Yeah, but, I like uh, the just, I think, and I, and I like them. I, I like Nicky Wire. I think Nicky Wire is really funny, and I think he has yeah. very interesting things to say quite a lot of the time. Um, yeah. But yes, yeah, they're maybe not the most subversive group now. Not, not these days, although who is? Um, really? Um, I don't know. Afrojack, Flowrider. These are some <laughs> of the artists. These are some of the. No, those two were both on the Eurovision last night. Oh, were they? They were featuring on tracks Afrojack and Flowrider. Are they allowed to do that? What? Like invite Flowrider in to contribute a rap verse? Apparently. Wow. He was. Um, I think it was Serbia. It was. Oh. It was honestly so much of the music was terrible. And then, like, Florida would come in and just do a rap over it. And it was, but Serpent, they got a really good score as well. But the song was, it was awful, really bad. The best songs, and, and again, I didn't think this was going to turn into a Eurovision Song Competition podcast. Belgium had a good song, and they, right. they were nearly bottom because it's Belgium. It wasn't it? It's not about the music. Belgium had a good song. Um, I can't even remember who else I quite liked. Sweden had quite a good song. It, Sweden was the only one that when they played it again and again, I was like, oh, I remember that chorus. I actually remember that one. But yeah, right. everything else was kind of like just bland. And well, that's the one that features Flo Rider. Yeah. Well, speaking of somebody who, who you could never really describe as bland for the vast majority of his career, um, is Michael Jackson. Ian. Yes, the king of pop. The king of pop. And, um, you know, we're now 26 years, pretty much to the day, I think, since um, a large, was it 18-foot statue of Michael as the king of pop sailed down the Thames to celebrate the release of History, his greatest hits album? Yeah. 
but yes, we, we listener, have spent much of this week listening to Michael Jackson. Well, you did, and then I started doing it too. You te- yeah. You sent me a text message and said, I've been listening to Michael Jackson albums. You should really give, his- uh, give Dangerous another try. Mm. So I've then spent the last couple of days messaging you about Dangerous, and then I've then gone through all the albums as well. I sent you a video of what my recent looks like on Spotify. Yes. And it's basically every single, even singles, there's like Michael Jackson, every album, plus some compilations, plus some like remixes. Got in a like really major Michael Jackson binge. But I wanted to ask you, because I haven't really asked you this, why did you start down the Michael Jackson avenue? Well, it's, um, it's a combination of two factors, I suppose. The first is that about three weeks ago, I did the same with Elton John and started right at the start of his career and went all the way through his 1970s albums because I'm like, I know Elton John's music. I do, I know Elton John's music, but actually he had so many albums that I'd never heard a single song from. And those 70s albums were amazing. And so I thought, right, okay. Um, And Michael Jackson's kind of, I mean, obviously he's a tarnished figure now and we might come on to talk about that later, but, Michael Jackson runs the risk, I think, of becoming almost like musical wallpaper in that because he was so front and center in all of our lives, because songs like Billie Jean and Thriller are so well known, is that you don't actually listen to them anymore. Even if they're on, you don't listen to them because they're just part of our world. Um, And earlier on this week, I was speaking to my aunt and she told me, she was just sort of talking about bands that she used to see relatively locally from around where we live, where, where I live now. And, and, and uh, she saw Diana Ross and the Four Tops uh, and quite a lot of Motown acts. And then she said on their very first tour, so 1970, 1971, she couldn't remember which year, she went to see the Jackson Five on their very first UK tour. I imagine seeing that. Imagine, because the thing about the, the Jackson 5 as well, listener, I'm sure you probably know this, but just in case you don't, is their first four singles were I Want You Back, ABC, The Love You Save, and I'll Be There. They were their first four singles. So they came out perfectly formed. Yeah. Imagine seeing them live. That's staggering, isn't it? That's pretty staggering. So that's what led you down a path of, I need to listen to all of Michael Jackson stuff. Yeah, so I listened to the best of the Jackson 5. Right. Um, to start with. Um, and it rewarded listening. And so I thought, right, I'm going to go sequentially through his Sony albums. I didn't go all the way through the 1970s Motown no, albums. I, I, started off, I started off the wall. Yes, me too. Yeah, that was my starting point. And, um, and just worked my way through. Um, although I did skip and we might come to this later but i did skip blood on the dance floor i had no real interest in listening to blood on the dance floor i was gonna ask you for that because i actually found that quite rewarding listening to that one right okay well the first half of it the rest of it not so much but yeah yes um but yeah so so started with off the wall which again is very much um and i'm using this as an insult i I don't mean it against michael jackson just more how he's become is that it is musical wallpaper. You kind of don't pay attention to off the wall. Mm. It's not appreciated, and it, you know, for, for what it is. 
now. I mean, it was at the time, obviously, but but not so much now. Because for my money, Off the Wall may have his best song on it. Ooh. Right. I mean, it's a bold shout. Is it? Is it one that? Is it a single or is it kind of an album track? No, it is a single. Um, she's out of my life. No, no. I mean, it's a beautiful vocal version, but no, it's rock with you. I think really? rock with you is an incredible song. There's a moment half. There's, a, there's just a couple of lines in it where it's just his his vocal performance is as good as anything he's ever done. And I just absolutely love um, Rock With You. Yeah. So how did you find the original, the first proper Michael Jackson album? Off the bottom, like, like, like you, it's, I like the term musical wallpaper and I feel that way possibly about Thriller and maybe even Bad now as well. In that hmm. I've heard certain songs on it, like Don't Stop Till You Get Enough and yeah. Rock With You and even She's Out Of My Life. I feel like I've heard those songs so many times that I wouldn't say I'm bored with them. It's almost like you take them for granted as songs. Mm. Um, I was more interested in the songs I don't really like. There's the Paul McCartney one, Girlfriend. Mm. Paul McCartney wrote. I really like that because I don't really remember that song. I was like, well, that's that's quite nice. And there's another one called I, is it, I Can't Help It that Stevie Wonder wrote. Yeah. That's a really good that's a really good tune. I, and it, these are songs that I don't know. So that's why I found, I think that's why Dangerous was quite exciting for both of us, because it's one of these albums that you've dismissed back when you were a kid, and you're coming yes. back and you don't know the song. So I found the songs that I didn't know so well were actually more interesting to me. I mean, like, Don't Stop Till You Get Enough and Rock With You are both amazing songs, but I just think I take them for granted now, and I don't, like, it's difficult to, they almost feel like they're beyond the album, you know? It feels like they're not part of an album because they're, they're on every great, they're on history, they're on every greatest hit you would ever have by Michael Jackson. So you almost just skip past them or you don't pay attention because you're like, well, I know this song really well, even though they are fantastic songs. And I felt, I think more, so I definitely felt that about Thriller. Because Thriller, mm -hmm. you get to the middle of Thriller and you've got Thriller, you've got Beat It and you've got Billie Jean, you've got these three songs that are iconic, huge Michael Jackson songs. And yet I skipped all three of those because I've heard them so many times. I love Billie, I think Billie Jean's a great song. But I couldn't be bored sitting for five minutes listening to it because I've heard it so many times, especially when I was planning to try and listen to as many Michael Jackson's albums as I could in the space of about two days. I thought, I don't have time for Billie Jean. I don't have time for Beat It. I mean, I like um, Don't Stop Till You Get Enough at the start, but mm. so the Mama Say Mama Sa goes on for about three or four minutes at the end. You know that but, bit? Which is great. Yeah, but, but you know, it sounds that that always sounded to me that bit like the theme music to the Really Wild Show, the Terry Nutkins and Chris Backham and Kayla Strachan. I feel like I don't think Michael Jackson um, stole it from them. I think they stole it from Michael Jackson. It sounds very similar. More likely, yeah. I, I think what's 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 the good thing about Thriller? I think um, I mean what, the one good thing about Thriller, no, the, the obviously Thriller is is the biggest selling album of all time, etc. Is that what, what I liked about listening to Off The Wall, going back to Off The Wall for, to, for a second, is that Off The Wall was made at a time when disco was still just about the predominant musical styling, if you like, um, versus punk, I suppose, and there was all that going on. And yet Michael Jackson managed to find a space which was entirely his. It doesn't sound like anything else. It doesn't sound, you can't say it's disco music because it's not. It sounds something completely different. Um, and But also 
and somewhat ironic considering where, where Michael Jackson ended up is, it's very clearly a part of the sort of Motown soul tradition. It's got that about it, but it's got also got, it's, 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 it's sort of almost like the edges are sort of shaved off a little bit to make it more accessible to everybody in a way that embraces everyone. Uh, and one of the things about Thriller and the Mama Say, Mama Sama, Makusa thing, which I think is really important, is that he was still saying he was a black artist at that point. Yeah. Like, you know, that, that kind of African sort of sound at the end of it. Um, and also the anger and the frustration that's there in Vita and Billie Jean. It's still saying that this is an African-American act very clearly. He's not tried to, which, and there is a huge marked difference, I think, between 80, 82, 83 Thriller and 87 Bad, is that that loop, that's gone, I think. I think you can sort of say it's pretty much gone by the time that the, the Bad comes out. But I think there's still gems within Thriller, even though we've heard them a billion times in, in like Human Nature and PYT. Yeah. Human Nature's my Human Nature's my favorite song on that album. I love Human Nature. Well, it's a great song. I thought I was pretty much there with Human Nature, but in listening to it again, and I think listening, and this is the difference. You you mentioned something to me um, when we were texting back and forth, which I think is really important as well for this kind of discussion. Is we grew up listening to these albums either on a on a Walkman mm. through rubbish earphones and a cassette tape. Or yeah. I listen to it quite a lot um, in a car, a tape yeah. in a car, yeah. in a cassette in a car. And so all of a sudden listening to it, like I was listening to some of it with my uh, Bose headphones on, or I was listening to some of it through Alexa. Uh, and the sound, the Christmas and the sound in The Girl Is Mine, yeah. I absolutely loved The Girl Is Mine listening to it again. I was like, this is fantastic. Yeah. It properly pops when you've got decent headphones. And that's the thing. And especially because <clears throat> if you listen to it on Spotify, it's been remastered. It was remastered. Yeah. The Thriller album was remastered about, I don't know, about 10 years ago. Yeah. So it's a big step up in what we would have listened to in our cassettes that we would have had. And it's definitely when you get, we'll get to Dangerous shortly, but that I, that was the thing I said to you. We were listening to Dangerous. And I said that to you, like the production on this, I don't think I appreciated it when I was a wee boy. Oh, definitely not. Um, yeah, so thr I mean, Thriller was Thriller was what I thought it would be. Um, mm. PYT is a great song. Human Nature is a great song. Um, even that last song, is it Lady in My Life? I actually quite like that. Yeah. That's one I used to skip when I was a kid because I was like, this is a boring love song and I have no interest in this mm. at all. But listening to it now with slightly more sophisticated ears, I actually mm. quite like that. It's not mm. bad. So bad, what about bad then? Saying not bad. Well, Bad is the one, and I think you're the same, is that Bad is the one that I listened to most during childhood. Well, it's, uh, it's, it's to do with the ages we were as well. We were the, the sweet spot age for Bad coming out. Both of, more so Because when Thriller came out, you and I were still in early primary school when Thriller came yes. out. So we were too young to really... We were too late to the party. It was like us with Prince, with Batman yeah. being our seminal album, because we kind of missed the earlier albums at Purple Rain. We were slightly too young yeah. to really be at the right age so I think bad I was in eight I was in first year at school and you would have probably been about primary six or seven so you were yeah. in a good spot for bad and that's yeah. definitely the one that I've listened to the most and I, I, I again I struggle to get through it just because I know it so well but it's it had the still, surprises yeah definitely yeah mm. 
but I still, yeah. still, I still enjoyed it. I enjoyed it yeah. thoroughly. Yeah, I think the the, the this, we had the vinyl version, and we still do. I've got it just to my right here. We've got the vinyl version of that, which means that we don't have. Um, was it leave? Leave me leave, alone. Yeah, leave me that alone. Wasn't, that yeah. wasn't on the cassette either. That was only on the CD version. And so that's the one that I think I probably enjoyed most because it's the one I know least. Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously, the full video of that was on the Moonwalker movie. Yeah, I remember at the time that coming out, I was like, What's this song? This is like yeah. a new song. Where's this? I remember there was one boy in my class had the CD and he was like, Oh, it's on the CD version. Mm. So, of course, I then saved up my pocket money and bought myself the CD so I could listen to it. But that that's the one on that album that I know the least. So, that, yeah. was, that is definitely the most exciting. I actually I quite enjoyed Liberian Girl because that was one I used to always skip. I actually quite <laughs> like that because it's not one that I would, I would usually just skip past that. Um, mm. But I, I never liked because it was a bit too lovey-dovey was I Just Can't Stop Loving You as a Child. That was my dad's favourite song. So I had to, if we were right. in the car, that would get repeated quite a lot because that was my dad's favourite Michael Jackson song at the time. So, so I still enjoyed that. I think that I've never, do you know, funnily enough, I've never liked Smooth Criminal. I just don't like it as a song. Well, I, I, it's all right. It's interesting because on Spotify you can get, there's like a, a 25th anniversary version that's got other songs that were written about that time. There's another song called Al Capone that he recorded, which is basically just another version of Smooth Criminal. It's a slightly different version. So it's on Spotify. You should give it a listen. It's quite interesting because it's it's not the same tune, but it's very close to the same tune. And it's the same kind of theme. The chorus sounds a bit the same as well. Um, so he was obviously deciding he wanted to have one song about sort of criminality. And it was between Al Capone yes. and Smooth Criminal. Yeah, I mean, Smooth Criminal, yeah, it's not... It's one of my least favorite songs on the album, even though it's I I, I can still recognize it's a great song. It's a yeah. you know the the kind of bass line to it is amazing, and the video for it and the that the kind of like yeah the dancing stuff yeah but, yeah it's I mean it's a weird like when you actually listen to Bad, it's such an odd song. Like mm. it's like you said, like Michael Jackson in the seventies didn't sound like anyone else. That album Bad doesn't sound like anything else either. No, it's completely unique. Um, bad weird song. I don't know how what it, it works. I don't know how it works, but it works. There's something brilliant about bad, but it's just it's such an odd song. I think I think I'm slightly disappointed by bad. So, like I say, it's even though I listen to it, even though it's you know the first track in the album, whatever, it kind of glides past me. Yeah. I've struggled to pay attention to it. I think partly there's the disappointment now after watching the really brilliant Spike Lee documentary about bad, the the album bad, and knowing because there's much more discussion about it than I've ever sort of heard before is that it was supposed to be a duet with Prince mm. and written with that intention is that I think there's a, when I listen to it now there's a huge what might have been yeah about about bad and just how how odd it would have been it would have been even odder than the actual finished version because I just can't imagine it I just can't no um because because the thing about Prince is when you think back now, unless I'm mistaken, is Prince never duetted with anybody famous. He did. did he, he on um like a prayer. He did a song on Madonna. Like a prayer. Yeah. See, I don't know that. I don't have that album. That's the only one I can think of. But yeah, he did. But it was rare anyway. Yeah. He also did one with uh, Cheryl Crow. No, that doesn't count. She's not famous. Cheryl, not <laughs> Cheryl Crow. Cheryl Crow. I don't really like Cheryl Crow. All right. <laughs> I'm just Fair dismissing enough. her from the musical canon. <laughs> she can go. Um, she she the song of Rave Unto the Joy Fantastic. Chuck D featured. 
Come on. Oh yeah, I mean Chuck D. I mean, I mean that's the legend. But yeah, he did. Um, I can't remember what it was called actually, but yeah, it was like the third or fourth song on Like a Prayer is a duet oh, with Prince. I heard that. It's like a proper duet because Prince is. You can tell Prince is playing the guitar. It's like a it's almost oh. like a Prince song with Madonna singing on it. We know. We know what I'm doing immediately after this podcast is finished. Uh, listened to that for a while, but I just remembered the exciting yeah. Prince's voice. I was like, "Oh, that's that sounds like the, the man himself." But yeah, I think that the bad. It's. It will still probably be. I mean, I, we were just talking about later on which was our favorite Michael Jackson album, and and I, and I changed my mind. But actually, it's kind of like when anybody asks, "What's your favorite film?" I never mentioned Star Wars as even part yeah. of the conversation. Yeah, I've seen it more than I've seen any other film. And Bad is almost the same. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'd ever rank it in one of my as, as my favorite one of my favorite albums. But in reality, it probably is because of the amount of time I've listened to it, the amount of joy I've got from it's, it. I mean, I would say it is my favorite Michael Jackson album, but I would say it's not the one that I would want to listen to now because I know it too well, which is an odd yeah. thing. So then, yeah. time's going by quite quickly here. What, what, obviously, the next album is the one we're probably going to talk about with the most enthusiasm. Dangerous. An album that people, ourselves included, have dismissed and besmirched for many years. You and I talk about it together, and we always talk about that as being like his really, really bad. That's when he went sort of rubbish. Yeah. You messaged it's- me last week and said, I've just listened to Dangerous, and I think it's my favourite Michael Jackson album now. And I thought you'd gone mental, so I, I put, it up, <laughs> put it up on my Spotify as well. I think it was, I mean, because I, I was thinking about the history of it and, it, and it obviously came out in 1991, so it's almost 30 years old. Uh, November, October, November 91, it came out. Um, and the thing that I remember most in my, when I think back, what I remember most about Dangerous is something that never happens anymore. And so there's an immense amount of nostalgia around one element of of Dangerous, which is that I think in late September, 2000, sorry, 1991, or maybe the first week of October, Top of the Pops gave the British premiere of Black or White at the end of Top of the Pops. So you'd watch Top of the Pops, you'd watch, because Brian Adams was still number one at that point, so they only showed 25 seconds or something of everything I do, I do it for you. Because they knew we'd seen it so many times. They could dedicate the last seven minutes of Top of the Pops to, to black or white. And I remember all, my family rarely as a four sat in the same room. But for Michael Jackson's black or white, we all did. My mom immediately then got a phone call from my aunt after it because to talk about the video because she all her family had sat and watched it too they let their kids uh, my cousin would have been six years old and he was allowed to stay up to watch it and then next day at school on the bus to school in the playground at school when you saw somebody they hadn't seen before that day it was chat about black or white yeah um and that's the abiding memory of the album, rather than the music itself. And also, to be honest, because the black or white video was so groundbreaking. And then, remember, the time comes out, and you've got Eddie Murphy in the video. I mean, you've got tons of people, but you've got Eddie Murphy in the video. Right. And, and then Jam comes out, and you've got Michael Jordan in the video. Right. So 
you're almost from that. I almost remember Dangerous as a more visual album yeah. than I do the sounds. Yeah, I agree. Which is weird. But, t- but separating it from the video, like actually just listening to it, is quite mm. a. I was surprised. The first half of it, like Jam's a good song. I knew I knew I liked Jam, but there's about four or five songs after Jam that I always think are just rubbish and I hate them. But then when I went through them, I was like, how have I dismissed these songs for 30 years? These are great songs. <laughs> and the produ- and like, that was the one, the production on good headphones, it really popped. It just sounded amazing. And I think you said to me, like, his voice on that album is better than it's ever. It's, that's, that, I, that sounds like his peak Michael Jackson voice. His voice on, on that album is amazing. I think it's the last time he fully trusted his voice, if I'm honest. Yeah. I, I think one of the stories of the, the albums that follow are triumphs of production over, over um, songwriting and singing talent, if yeah. I'm honest. Yeah, um, and I think that this is the bridge between them, because you can see in songs like Jam and In the Closet and, and Who Is It, is that there's a lot more production going on. It, there's a lot more stuff happening, yeah. uh, because it's Jam, Jam and Lewis, isn't it, that do quite a lot of the production on that, I think. Um, as opposed to Quincy Jones, he'd moved away from Quincy Jones, who'd done the first three albums. And it was almost like Quincy Jones, to a large extent, sort of said, I'm going to produce these, I'm going to produce these brilliantly, but I'm actually going to step aside a little bit and let your music just come through. I'm just going to let your singing come through. I'm going to let the, the, the idea you have for the song come through. Whereas there's a lot more production. Yeah. And it sounds amazing. It sounds amazing, but there's a lot more production. Even just, um, you know, some of the some of the more sort of the slower songs, the quieter songs. They've even got choirs in them. They've got stuff. You know, they've got much more going on in them than the other songs might have had in the past. They're quite long. I mean, there's like "Keep the Faith" and "Will mm. You Be There." Like, "Will You Be There?" Like, it's about seven minutes, which I don't mind. Yeah. But it does go on for a, and it's much more ambitious than anything he's done before. And I think that that might have been the, I mean, if there is a flaw in Dangerous compared to mm. certainly um, Thriller and Bad is, and Off the Wall, is that they were all 10, 11 songs long, 12 songs maybe. I think Thriller was nine songs. Yeah, because it's got to fit on two sides of an LP. Yeah. Whereas this, he, this was his first proper CD album. Yeah. And he was using the full 76 minutes that you could fit on a, on a you CD. You can see that. The other two albums that he subsequently did are the same. They're like, they, like they both have like 15, 16 songs and they just they go on for about an hour and 20 minutes. And some of the songs go on for five, six minutes, which yeah. they do. So, um, so yeah, so Dangerous is is probably the one I would listen to now. And I ha- since we've had this conversation, I've had like Dangerous and Who Is It on almost repeat on my phone. Yeah. Um, so I, I mean, I carried on. I then went to history, as you did as well. Well, I was going to say, what time are we at at the moment? For I have no idea because I can't see. Oh, because I mean, this is just this is your scene behind the curtain here, listener. Because I'm wondering, I think we've done at least half an hour. We must be close to that. I don't know because we had a fair bit of chat before we started zooming each other, but it's probably close so to that. I was wondering if we might want to break this over two podcasts and maybe continue it next week. Could do because I think there's an awful lot of of, of conversation to be mined from Invincible and from history. I also, and there's just other stuff as well about Michael Jackson. It feels like, I don't want to just spend five minutes going, yeah, so history was good. Invincible, not so much. So he died. Ah, there we go. That's it. Thank you for listening. Um, 
I think because the thing is, if we end on dangerous mm. um, or today, I think, listener, you know, if you were to go back and listen to dangerous, then, and I think the beauty of it is now is for the vast majority of us, in fact, no, for everybody, um, if you were going to listen to, to dangerous now, is you've really got two alternatives. One, you'll do it through streaming, in which case you'll probably either be listening to it on your headphones or indeed um, through something like an Alexa mm. or indeed in your car. And the sounds now are so much better that you'll get a much better oral experience from listening to it. Um, and I don't know, there was always a trepidation for me about getting too dangerous because you always knew you were going to hit heal the world. And yeah. it was like, oh. <laughs> which, which I loved when I heard it on the album and then it was released as a single. Mm. And then it was just a bit cloying because then it would be all over all the sort of montages of, of you know, um, you know, doing good things. And it was just too good, almost. Uh, but the end of Dangerous actually rewards that because will you be there and keep the faith and those things are at the end mm. are just phenomenal yeah it's a weird album I said that too it's almost like two albums the first half pre-Heal the World it's just a Jimmy Jam Jimmy Jam Jimmy Jam Jam um, and then once you get to Heal the World they don't produce the second I think they produce the last track Dangerous <laughs> but the rest of the stuff it's produced by other people it becomes yeah. You get all the ballads and you get the more kind of rock stuff. So it's it's like, I mean, obviously people don't listen to it like an album anymore anyway, but if you listen to the first five or six songs, it's just dance. And then when you get to, you've got this little palette cleanse in the middle of Fuel the World, which you can skip past if you choose to. And then after that, you go into Black and White, which is just amazing. And yes. then you've got um, various other fantastic pieces of just music and music. It's, it's weird. It is, it's, it's such an odd album that half of it is just this kind of like, very dark sometimes quite tuneless but just interesting dance music and then the second half of it is very very musical it's got orchestras it's got choirs and there's like that gone too soon song which sounds like something out of musical theater which is quite a nice little song especially given he passed away quite young which makes it even seem even more precious that he, wrote, he didn't write that song but he sang that song yeah, yeah it's definitely worth it and i think that the and again this is all about our age probably and probably the age of our listeners is that 1991 I was 14 mm. I was 14 and you were 16 when the album came out and the the difference I mean the difference in ages between 14 and 16 is pretty huge but the differences between 14 and 18 and 16 and 20, which is the, 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 the gauge gap between dangerous and then history yeah. is, 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 is so huge um, that we were very different people by the time history came out. But because of time and because of newspaper stories and because of just facts coming into the public sphere, Michael Jackson became a very different person between 1991 and 95. And I think that I think starting with history and going back to sort of, if we start next week, I mean, we'll talk about the news listener and stuff if stuff happens that's of interest to us, but then we'll branch into the second half of Michael Jackson's solo career. Mm. Uh, it'll be a very different ride, I think. A very different ride. Less musical wallpaper, less praise. Yeah. Uh, some interesting stories, sir. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. It should be a, a colourful experience. And it don't matter what that colour is, if it's black or white. 
<laughs> but yes, um, go back, listen to Dangerous. Please do. Um, it will definitely reward your listening, as will Off the Wall, to be honest, because you probably haven't heard that for a while either. Yeah. And if, if you're not someone that listens to Bad or Thriller, I mean, you probably have, but mm-hmm. they're all, there's something for everybody in Michael Jackson. It's like there's a big Anyway, right, listener, we'll leave you this week um, and we'll speak to you next week. So stay safe, get the vaccine if you're due it. Um, You know, don't if you have a moral objection against it. Um, But we'll be back here again next week. Bye. (laughs) Hee hee.